Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Straight up 8 o'clock Eastern time uh, in the New York metropolitan area or New Jersey metropolitan area. That's what it is for me, for the boys with me tonight. Uh, They're in New York City, and this is Soccer in the City Live and uh, we're coming off the first leg of the uh, CONCACAF Champions League semifinal where New York City dropped a 3-1 decision on the road, Lumen Field, against the Seattle Sounders. And the lone bright mark is the road goal, which uh, counts in CCL, counts double uh, in the event of a tiebreaker. And New York City knows all about that after uh, nodding uh, Comunicaciones 5-5 with that wild 4-2 loss in Guatemala City, but advancing with two road goals. Now, they've got this one road goal, so the formula is rather simple. And the next game, second leg, will be this Wednesday night. It's a home match, but it'll be at Red Bull Arena uh, in Harrison, New Jersey. All right, let's bring these guys on. One, two, three. It's the uh, Spanish duo on the New York City FC Network radio commentary. Roberto Abramowitz, Ariel Hudis. I'm Glenn Crooks on the English side. And, boys, it was uh, a wonderful trip to Seattle. We got a nice, clear view of Mount Rainier, 14,000 feet plus. We got a chance to walk down to the market and go on a patio and overlook and see the Olympic Mountains off to the right. And, you know, Seattle's a, a, a happening place, and it's got some very interesting clientele, but it's, uh, you know, always fun. Uh, but for New York City – Maybe not so much. So, uh, Roberto, you first. 3-1 loss, just to review. Albert Rusnak opened the scoring for Seattle, scoring his first goal for the Sounders after coming over from RSL. Then it was Tiago tying it up for New York City. Then Jordan Morris, Nico Ladero, uh, goals to make it uh, 3-1. So, Roberto, you're up, man. Oh, by the way, this is a, a chance for uh, anyone watching or listening to uh, provide uh, any sort of a question or commentary. I have a little comment section here. So if you keep it clean, I, I'll uh, I'll put you on. But go ahead, Roberto. <laughs> and you're going to keep it clean by putting me on first? All right, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, obviously not good enough for New York City. Yes, they're alive and well because they got that goal by uh, Tiago Andrade. Uh, a great play by Odmanson with a cross. Tati putting it back into the mixer. And uh, one of the few times that Seattle... Uh, actually left somebody in New York City open. And so they took advantage of it, and Tiago Andrade scored, and it made it 1-1 at the time. And uh, it was an important goal, and it continues to be an important goal because in this tournament, uh, away goals count. So a 2-0 score on Wednesday at Red Bull Arena. 
means that New York City goes through. 3-1, they go to penalties. Uh, if Seattle scores more than one, then New York City's got to win by three. The formula is very, very simple. They put themselves in this position because defensively they're just not good enough. And it's uh, the, the absences of people like Maxime Chanot uh, are noticeable. And guy, and those are the guys. He's one of them who can actually come back. We don't know if he's going to be ready for Wednesday. But somebody who's not coming back is James Sands. And uh, sometimes you get to know how good somebody is when they're not there anymore. And James Sands is proving that time and time again. Uh, they really miss him. And uh, New York City is going to have to figure out how to play without him. They have enough talent uh, to be able to play without him. But uh, so far, not good enough. And they put themselves in a hole, which I still think they can come out of. But they're going to have to play a really, really good game, especially defensively. Well, and uh, we've got some uh, sounds, some video clips with head coach Ronnie Dyla, also uh, Brian Schmetzer, the head man for Seattle. They uh, are, are from the, the post game of the uh, the 3-1 Seattle uh, win. So, you know, Ariel, it's, it's, it's not impossible or really not unusual for the home team to come back from a two-goal deficit, uh, but that's what faces uh, New York City. What do you think? Yeah. Can they score two goals? Of course, I feel they can score two goals. Can they defend for 90 minutes without receiving a goal? I guess that's the key of this away game, the return game of this series, semifinal series um, of the uh, CONCACAF Champions League, which will determine who advances to the final. It's a very important game, both for Seattle and NYCFC, of course. Um, uh, I feel that uh, Roberto is right, saying that Shannon's absence and Sand's absence, but we have no remedy for that. But for Shannon, we do have. We will see if he's available or not for for this game. Um, well, let's let's and, you know, I, there might be some people that didn't really hear uh, specifics about Shannon, which uh, we we heard an upper body injury. Well, that covers a lot of the body like half, depending on how long your legs are, of course. So uh, it was a head injury, which impacted uh, his eye where his vision was impaired. And that was the, so when you, you talk to some of the folks uh, within the club, you know, that's uh, potentially a serious injury. We haven't heard much more yeah. about it. And tomorrow uh, we would expect Tuesday, that is, because this will also, uh, for those who can't watch it or listen to it now or only hear a part of it, uh, this will be published as a podcast tomorrow uh, through WFAM. But so we'll find out more tomorrow about the injuries, I would suspect, because the other big one is obviously Maxi Morales. So yeah, let's yeah. let's go uh, here. Let's listen to some of the Ronnie and then get your reaction, guys. Uh, first, this is just uh, some of his initial postgame reaction after the three one loss last Wednesday at Seattle. We wanted a little bit better result, of course. I think we. Uh... You know, in 80% uh, of the game, I think we had uh, good control, 80-90%. But uh, there were some uh, key moments in the game that we we were not close enough, especially on the left side, and we get uh, some crosses against us, and then uh, we were not good enough to to be tight in the inside the box. And then they are deadly when uh, they get opportunities like that. But we get our away goal, and that was important. And um, that means also that we have we are full in the full into the game uh, on Wednesday again. It's uh, we're coming home. Uh, we need to win 2-0. And um, we've done that many times before. So um, I'm positive. I know we can uh, 
we can do better than we did today. At the same time, we, we know how good we are when we come when we are at home. So um, nothing is over now. Now home is Red Bull Arena, Roberto, and I know you shared this with us. So I, I went out and got a Jeremiah Oshan. He's he's from out in Seattle. So he put this up: the Red Bull Arena record for New York City FC, both as the away team and the home team. And there you see the home record, eight four and three. But you also see uh, a half a goal less per game at RBA versus uh, Yankees Stadium. It, they don't, it, they're not really happy that that's uh, one of their alternate homes, but that's where they're at and that's where this game is. And what the heck, just got to deal with it. Everybody's got to deal with it, right? Fans as well. And hopefully, some of the fans who boycotted in the past when New York City was playing at Red Bull Arena, uh, then uh, hopefully they'll come out and support the team, you know, just for the team's sake, that they'll be out there and that there's a great atmosphere at the stadium. But um, look, it's, when you're a nomad team, and sadly, New York City right now is a nomad team, this is what you have to deal with. The fact that CONCACAF is the one saying you can't play at Yankee Stadium, you can't play at City Field. They haven't given a full explanation to why, except for the fact that what we do know is that it's not the field dimensions, as a lot of people have put out there. It's not that. Because uh, 110 by 70 is regulation. You can play on 110 by 70 in any stadium, and that's fine. So it's not that. But uh, they lose a lot by not being able to play at Yankee Stadium. Other teams have slight difficulties, especially if they don't play regularly at Yankee Stadium because of the weird angle of the field and how the stands are and all these little things that New York City's accustomed to. Other teams aren't. And it's part of the reason why they have, you know, such a stellar record at Yankee Stadium. Aside from the fact that they have just like a load of talent, let's not Let's not kid ourselves. New York City is MLS champ for something. Now, the last time that they played Seattle in New York was at Yankee Stadium, and they beat them three zip. There is no record of them playing uh, Seattle over at uh, Red Bull Arena, so we don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen there. So it's not a true home field advantage for New York City. It's probably closer to a neutral feel feeling, you know, neutral field sort of feeling. There will be more well, the, uh, the New biggest York City question, fans. Yeah, but the biggest question is who's showing up for the uh, among the city supporters. To me, that's I the think biggest question. I, th I think the team will be fine, and you know what? But will they will they have the necessary oomph that you're supposed to get from the home side? Well, you, you know, it's it, it's not bomboneta, okay? You're not playing, you know. Uh, it never with, is. Uh, it, it never, never is. is in any. So is there? I mean, is there really, really a home field advantage when it comes to MLS? I mean, when it comes down to that, where you're going into a stadium and you're like, oh, my freaking God. There are an amazing atmospheres just about anywhere you play, right? LAFC, Portland. I mean, the atmosphere over at, uh, at Providence Park in MLS Cup was absolutely fantastic. Well, let's not get crazy. This isn't you walking into Bombonera as the enemy team where they hate you. And you're looking up and you're going, oh, my goodness. Am I getting out of here? Okay. Am I getting out of here? And I don't... You know, I'm not trying to say that people would actually do violence or anything like that. But you get that feeling. You get that sensation, right, that that would be the case. It's intimidating. There's no place in MLS that's intimidating like that. I mean, there just really isn't. But would it be nice to have a great support and make for a great atmosphere and make it a fun game? Sure. Absolutely. Ariel, please tell me that I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, it's not, not about being wrong. It's, if you're at home, 
and you have a an LAFC or something similar to that, you know, in the stands supporting you, that adds a, that adds something. I I I, I yeah. hear what you're saying, but it it does make a difference. I, I don't I I hear what you're saying, but I don't get it. If you're at home and you have rabid supporters, that's a that's a boost. They've said it. They've said it. Yeah, at Yankees, but there's a difference Yankees between games. Right. There's a difference between rabid supporters and rabid supporters. Okay. Okay. Are, are three thousand people showing up? Are five thousand? Are ten thousand? What's going to happen? You know. So, you know, I, I don't know how many people who are uh, on the fence are, are watching this, but let's see what happens. You know, I just. Uh, I hey, tickets we... are cheap enough. It's twenty five bucks to get in. At least that's when the tickets came out. That was the cheapest price. That's cheap enough to get in. All right, uh, it's uh, not a horror show to get to, to Red Bull Arena. I mean, it really isn't. Can they get ten thousand people there? I mean, as far as I know, only the lower bowl and not even the entire lower bowl is open. If they get like an overflow crowd, like all of a sudden, you know, all ten thousand tickets you know, if that's what's on sale, get swooped up, then will they start opening other sections, just like they did in, in Hartford yeah. when the Comunicaciones fans started to show well, that, up in yeah. droves and they started yeah. to have to app open up, right. open up other sections. Anything under 10,000 is disappointing to me. Hey, I, I, the yeah. playmaker is questionable. Here's Ronnie uh, after the, the 3-1 loss. But done is done now, and we have to look forward to, to Wednesday. We, um, we met a good team, but uh, we know... Uh, that week, that it is going to be a totally different game, and uh, we we have to make the game as we had it in Guatemala uh, last time. Then uh, then we have a good chance. So so of course Maxi is an important player for us, um, but uh, he had no chance to play in this game uh, because of his um, ribs. He has uh, bruised his uh, his rib um, and um, and uh, not capable to 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 play. Roberto, you, you spoke to Maxi after the game. What did he say about the injury? Uh, well, yeah, he hurt his, uh, he hurt his ribs. Uh, obviously, it was a problem. He couldn't play. But uh, he, he told me that he was going to do anything and everything possible to be able to play that game this Wednesday. So I would expect to see him on the field unless he's gotten some sort of setback or anything like that. But I know that he's absolutely determined uh, to play. I mean, this means a lot for him. It means a lot for every single player. Let's not kid ourselves. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It, it really does. Every Both these teams have taken this tournament absolutely 100% serious. They haven't, they haven't skimped on anything to try to win this tournament, be the first team in MLS to hopefully, you know, lift this trophy because no team in MLS has ever done this. Right. And in, in this version of the of the tournament, you know, you still have to go through Cruz Azul Pumas, who played Tuesday night. But uh, so, yeah, you know, no, both these teams well, are going all out. They, they know the importance. They're two games. Let's see one. They're three games away, three games away from lifting what to me right now is the most important championship, more so even than MLS Cup. And with Maxi uh, Ariel, it's I mean, it's his it's his last go at it, probably. And. Um, and you kind of counter it with the fact that Seattle got Nico Ladero back along with Raul yeah. Rui Diaz. So they're, they're healthier than New York city. Uh, their depth is unquestionable. I mean, the only guy, uh, unavailable is the, um, is the guy at the back, uh, whose name is escaping me now. The, um, Yamar. 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 Yeah. 
and um, he uh, he will you know he's out, but everybody else is healthy for them. We're not sure about Chano. We're not sure about Maxi, and then we're just not sure of the attack. Are we? <laughs> I mean, look. Yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to get your guys' response to uh, to Ronnie's comment about um, you know having control for eighty maybe ninety. Uh, percent of the game and I, I I you know I'm not sure I'm gonna ask him about that because sometimes you know sometimes just like any coach that has come in that doesn't speak you know every word of English clearly and sometimes we might misinterpret but if if he felt he had 80 or 90 percent of that game I mean Seattle had 55 percent of the ball they outshot New York City 12-9 uh, total passes 560 to 460 how often is a New York City outpassed but then corner kicks, and sometimes this this statistic doesn't always, you know, tell the story. But seven nil on corners, I think that truly tells the story. And we yeah. saw, and we heard Ronnie talk about the uh, the difficulties on the left side of the fence, where that's where they were getting a, a lot of their crosses. So I don't know about the eighty to ninety percent control, Ariel. No, I'm not sure. My my, my feeling after the first game was that uh, NYCFC. Uh, save the night with that goal, and that was a good deal for right. them. Seeing what they produced in that night, and seeing what Seattle was able to do in that night, I mean, was not very, very superior, but was a superior team, no doubt about it. Seattle played better; they were the the players were more uh, attentive and respectful of the game. And NYCFC seemed a little bit out of focus the whole night. So what I hope is that they uh, kind of uh, fix that. That if you look at New York City on Wednesday night, you, Wednesday night, you see a focus team. You see a team making plays that end up in something, into something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That didn't happen last Wednesday. So, uh, And I feel that if Max is not available, is not available, that will be very, very, very hard. Max is is key for this game. Yeah, Santi Rodriguez tried to play the Maxi role, and and remember that yeah. was a, a bit of a surprise. Starting eleven, we saw with Maxi out of the lineup. You know, everyone was told the day before that uh, it would be the same front six, and uh, apparently it happened in training. They had a seven p.m. training session uh, the night before, and that's when he felt it a bit. And uh, didn't want to take any chances, but uh, I'm with you, Roberto. If it's uh, if it's something they can wrap up and he can play, uh, I, I think there's little question we'll see him out there. And look, uh, Tati Castellanos was shut out in this game. We know he has struggled in MLS. He's got four CCL goals. And uh, did you when he lined up that 40 yard free kick again? I know that was visions of Comunicaciones when that was yeah. that Comunicaciones goal is one of the best free kicks I've ever seen taken. I mean, my gosh, from that distance, as hard as he hit it and as low and as he and as he curled it inside the post, uh, it looked like he tried to do something similar. Maybe he got too far in the air and he missed the target, but I thought it was a good go at it. But look, I, I you know, I went back and um, I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched parts of it. And the opening goal was poorly defended. Uh, but Seattle, you know, they made it difficult because they moved so well off the ball. And I just think at halftime, watching Alexander Collins, he how demonstrative he was. The halftime whistle was blown, and he was he was nuts. 
he was he just couldn't believe that they gave up that second goal off the throw in and then oh my goodness so really there were issues and you know at the back without Chino and you there were 21 crosses that uh, New York City had to deal with uh 21 clearances, actually, more crosses than that. They made 21 clearances. But Maxime Cheneau, that is one area. You guys have brought him up a couple of times. That's one area he really excels, and they really miss that. So Cheneau in the lineup will be important if if he's at all physically ready. And can I say something about Thiago Martins, okay? It takes time to get used to this league. And we mentioned it last week. And New York City fans are going to have to have a little bit of patience. This guy's good. He's got a great resume. He's a, an excellent passer out of the back. He's got great vision. He's, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to learn the teams, to learn the forwards, to learn their movements, to get used to this league. So just have a little bit of patience with him because I, I know he's been a little bit too involved in some of the bad things that have happened. But, you know, just like anything else, you got you got to wait it out a little bit, okay? I know that they've invested a lot of money. They've invested DP money in him. So there's got to be something good there. And I'm willing to to wait a little bit and be a little bit patient. It's sad that, you know, he's been forced into action and as much action as, as he has now. And uh, some of the plays have been unfortunate. Some of them have been just, you know, just bad. But at the end of the day, I think that it's going to iron itself out and that he's going to be a positive addition to this team. Well, I agree. He needs time. And you mentioned the good vision. Uh, what was interesting on the penalty uh, that was called on Martins against uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz, which made it 3-1 when uh, Ladero converted. But he took, if you look at the replay, and I'm sorry, I, I wasn't able to capture a, a uh, footage on this. I wanted to show it. But uh, go back and watch it, and he glances to his right, and he sees Rui Diaz, and then, and to me, this is all technical defending. So, I and you know, any player needs to be reminded of this. But after he looked over, he kind of closed his body towards the ball, and that and the moment he was blindsided, that's when Rui Diaz took off, like, like that bolting run, and got in front of him. And that's what a good forward or attacking player will do. They'll wait for that moment when. When the defender turns his back and boom, and that's how he got in good position. I still question whether it was a straight, it was an overrule situation, but I'm not going to argue that. I think it was uh, poor on Martins to let him get inside. So that's, yeah. uh, you know, there were there were a number of things that, uh, that broke down, you know, at also, inopportune moments. Also, just slight credit to uh, the guy who's the, you know, center forward for the Peruvian national team. Not exactly a slouch. No. Well, I think I said this to you earlier in the day, Roberto. You know, sometimes in commentary, I, I don't know how you guys are, but sometimes I get caught up in almost trying to fix New York City and not seeing the opponent quite as clearly. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's wrong as, as a commentator. It just is. But I, I think uh, I've now talked to two people who I trust uh, dearly with their opinion who watched the game and said that was the best game they've seen an MLS team play ever. Two people said that. Now, I don't know. You know, that's a lot of games. But Seattle was yeah. very good. They were good on the night. The, right? There was a they – they, they played a good game, and especially the Royal Dance played a good game against oh. Molde. They yeah, killed absolutely. him. They killed him. So I, I, my hope is that somehow – that's solved for Wednesday night. I mean, somehow they they figured it out how to 
plays Malday in another position, only or in that position with help with other guys, but because um, Christian it's and almost like Alex they were, were it's almost like they weren't ready for it, Ariel. I mean, the Roland yeah, of course they play were. together uh, apparently very well. They've been in the backyard. Uh, like no, this... they were in the backyard together. Gonna... It's like they've Schmetzer... been doing this their whole life or something. <laughs> well, and Schmetzer specifically talk about about that in, in the post game press conference they they watched tape of course they watched tape and they knew where the liabilities in new york city were and they identified them very precisely so that's what happened yeah well and you know what fat mob roberto i don't know man so you know they give out the rating the the post game ratings yeah Molde Amundsen got the highest rating on the team a 7.6 wow Tied with Tylus Magno and Tiago, who scored the goal at a seven-five, but everybody else on the back line was six-three uh, or below, including Alexander, Co Alexander Collins was the man of the match for New York City. Oh so my I, God, you know, it's not even close. Yeah, so Fat Mob just uh, took a tumble in my mind. I don't know. Uh, who, I mean, uh, I I sometimes do wonder about their ratings, so <laughs> especially when it comes to American players in Europe. But still, uh, I do trust it in general, but. I take their ratings sometimes with a little bit of a grain of salt. I'll trust my eyes over, over that. So all right. at that point. But I want to just say that, you know, for all the crap that the roll downs take, uh, especially the American roll down versus the El Salvadorian roll down, uh, takes from U.S. national team fans. Uh, they, they played a lights out game uh, on, on Wednesday. They were really fantastic. It wasn't that. They took care or they took over over an inferior Molde Agnes. And it wasn't that. It's that they were just really precise and sharp and, and good with their movements and their passing and just everything that they did. I mean, they, they really they, they really took over the game on that side. And um, yeah. I want to give them credit for, for what they did. And now New York City, now how you counter it. So here I ask you, Glenn, who is the coach here, if, if, if Chano is healthy, do you go to a five? Do you go to a five-man, three-man back, and then that way you have Collins a little bit more to that left side, so to be able to handle uh, that, that one-two punch from the roll downs. Not necessarily, and the reason I say that is if you're playing a four-two-three-one, so in essence you have two holding midfielders who are kind of playing like this. One will go forward, the other will hold. But because you have two. When the balls play to that side, you, you should essentially be able to have three against that, too. It would be Amundsen, Collins, and either, you know, Morales or Acevedo or Parks, whoever the other holding mid is in that spot. So you don't necessarily have to change the shape in order to uh, cover it. I just think I think you have to anticipate it and get in there earlier. And I think, uh, you know, New York City was slow to the mark or Seattle was hitting some really um, – pinpoint diagonal services over a distance well you know what those things have to be denied so you need a greater effort to deny those services or guide the ball into areas like a tati castellanos or maxi or whoever the attacking mid is and guide it guide the ball into areas where there isn't that clear service to get it to the opposite side because you know Seattle didn't have to play three touches or, uh, forgive me three passes to get it to the roll dons on the right 
a lot of times that came in one and then boom, here's the overlap and they're off. Yeah. All Alex yeah. has to do is see that ball in the air and his, and his brother's going to collect it. And he knows now he could whip around him. So you, you just have, you got to deny service and you've got to make it, you've got to limit it that way too. So I think there's a lot to look at and study, uh, but guys, I, you know, Seattle might be the best team in this league and it, right. It might not even be close. You know that right now it's not, I don't think who's better. Well, I mean, you could say Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree. We'll give the we'll give the Union some credit, but and Seattle started out yeah. a little slow, but with the, with the Rui Diaz and Ladero oh. just getting back, that was the first game they didn't have medical, you know, issues going into the game. That was their first match. Yeah, and my Those goodness, two, Seattle and Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree. So Philadelphia, they're they're off to a pretty good start. Best yes, start um, yeah, best start they, they are. Game. But Seattle plays. I mean, I just love the way that they play. You know, they're fun to watch. Because they, they've got so many exciting players. And, and look, the fact that they added Ruznak and the, the yeah. importance that he gives. And, and not, by the way, they step him back, right? They, they, they're putting him in into <coughs> the, the, the twin, either twin sixes or if you want to call it a six eight uh, there. Yeah. I mean, how, how he's that? playing and how, how he is able to get everybody else involved. And I mean, there's just so much quality all over the field. It's great to see. So, I mean, as a, it, it gives you hope, you know, that if MLS is ever going to win one of these championships is that if it's going to be them, then, you know, they're going to have a good chance against Pumas or Cruz Azul, just as I feel that New York City is a really complete team too, although they maybe not have shown it as much in Seattle. I just hope that for New York City fans sake and for, you know, themselves that uh, they show it, um, you know, when it comes this Wednesday. You well, know, you know, a, a moment can turn it around. Goody yeah. in Atlanta. So, you know, scoring early in this match at Red Bull Arena and then getting the game winner with five minutes left, for instance. You know, those are the kinds of things that can lift the group together. But, man, you know, Seattle, look who's coming off the bench. Freddie Montero, who's like the all-time leading scorer in CCL for Seattle and has three goals. I mean, he did – he. He destroyed Leon, and he yeah. you know, he barely got on a pitch the other night. And then, uh, and Will Bruin. I mean, he's he's a very very difficult professional up top. You know, different kind of, you know, player, strong body. Uh, these guys are coming off the bench. Uh, New who is back, but I think this is pretty huge. Uh, Ariaga is down, and I didn't read anything where New who would just go in to play center back and leave Kellen Rowe at left back. It's interesting, Keith Costigan, who does the commentary for Seattle. I saw him in the uh, in the food room before our game, and I just uh, I said knew who, and he goes, he should be a center back. Now Keith is very opinionated. He's a coach. He's getting his a or he has his a license, his U.S. Soccer a license. So he really uh, he really puts it in, and uh, he believes knew who's best spot is center back. Now that to me just thought I, I just thought well knew who maybe we'll just slot in there for Ariaga. But, well, he could. And, I mean, Kellen Rowe's done a great job for them. Uh, and he's, local kid, uh, comes home, does very, very well. He fits in. And left, uh, he, left side he, of player with the right foot. Left side yeah. of player with the right peg. Hey, when you're talking about people coming off the bench for Seattle, probably they're, they might be one of their best ones coming out. Is a 16-year-old kid by the name of Obed Vargas from Alaska, of all places, from Mexican parents. He's... Um, He's an extraordinary player for his age. Uh, 
He made his debut in the CCL way back when. And, uh, you know, they, he's fearless. The kid is just absolutely fearless. He's got a great touch, great attitude. And now uh, it's a player that both uh, U.S. and Mexico um, national teams are going to be fighting over. So at one point, he was thinking that he was going to be strictly Mexico. His parents always want to be strictly Mexico. But he gets called up only by the U.S. national team. Now he's had a taste of playing for the United States. He's liked it so far. It's been a very positive experience. So it's not a given that once Mexico comes calling that he's just going to go. So that's a good thing. But he's a really, really good player, and he's somebody to watch. And he's already playing for the U.S. U-20s at 16. He skipped over the 17s. He's like, yeah, too good for here, going straight to the U-20s and uh, being an important player for them. So he's going to be helping the U.S., hopefully, uh, for the U.S. fans, uh, qualify for the Olympics and the U-20 World Cup, which is the same tournament this year. Yeah, that'll be coming up uh, this summer. So he's 16, Anchorage, Alaska. His uh, club in Anchorage, Cook Inlet Soccer Club. All right? So how about that? Oh, we see R Roberto now no longer has a face. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of him. That's it. Roberto, you're done. Oh, I can't get rid of him. <laughs> How do I get rid of him? Oh, no, I added him. <laughs> well, this is a technical breakdown here. This is a you know, live commentary. And I, uh, how about, oh, I know how to do it. Thanks, God. All right, Roberto, I'll That's see you right. when you come back. Roberto's nursing yeah. a, a bit of a cough, as you probably can tell. See, she, she had this nice hot tea. And uh, I'm Glenn Crooks, Ariel Hudas here, and also uh, Roberto Abramowitz. We're, uh, a, a, a large part of your New York City radio uh, commentary. And we've got the, the broadcast coming up on Wednesday, and that's going to be uh, 9 p.m. A little after 9 will be the kickoff. Our airtime will be 8.45 on the New York City FC network. So listen to your local commentators and turn the sound down on the TV. Come on, man. We've got the inside. Hey, so did you, did you figure out that all you had to do was just put either yourself or Ariela solo, and that would have taken care of the issue? No, I have no. You something. did. You threw me backstage, didn't you? Well, the, well, there's something that says remove, and I thought that was yeah, more satisfying. Um, that was much more satisfying. These are the technological. <laughs> these are the technological things that we go through every day, folks. But just to give you, the, you said so this kid's 16, so you know that uh, New New York City's signed some homegrowns within the last year. Uh, yeah. Five. Christian McFarlane is 15, but. He's not going to be – he's not training or, you know, he's not going to be on the first team. Maximo Carrizo is the is the 14-year-old, the young, youngest ever signed. We saw Samuel Owusu. Now, he's 21, but he's a homegrown, and uh, he's going to see most of his time with New York City FC, too. But he's uh, he's been on the last two trips uh, because of the injury to Cheneau and the uncertainty around that center-back position. Uh, one option, too, that we haven't really discussed, and I'm – I'm almost happy that it hasn't happened is uh, pushing Alfredo Morales into the back if necessary, no. because he's, he's done only because he's done that before. Um, no. And um, I'm just saying that's an option. Uh, one no. of the coaches said that that would be an option. So coach Roberto says, no, no. but what? <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh, those We've are the, seen uh, this movie before Glenn. Yeah, well, he and he and Vuk Latinovich had a had a rough night in Nashville. That's all I remember. Was it oh, in Nashville? It was Nashville, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, so the, the the game 
on Wednesday. So we, we've set it up, I think. I, I, I want to hear from Schmetzer a little bit. I, I thought he is um, – got to get him on my Sirius XM show. I've decided. I'm, I don't, I've never really met the guy. I've never talked to him. But uh, here's his postgame. I, I just like when he speaks. And here's what he yes. had to say right after the game uh, about the game. Uh, my overall impressions right now, Jeremiah, was that was an entertaining soccer game. I hope our fans enjoyed that. I did. Maz, I enjoyed that. I hope the TV audience that tuned in enjoyed that. Uh, I thought it was a good game. My team in particular, our team in particular, yeah, there were some good moments of pressing and getting some transition moments. Yes, we had worked on that. But Albert's goal was, you know, quality, attacking movements. I thought Christian and Alex did a tremendous job on the right-hand side. Uh, Jordan coming into a, you know, run of form, a good run of form. Obviously, you know, the statement I shouldn't have to make, but having Nico back is helpful. Uh, overall, it was a good, <clears throat> good performance. I mean, we, we, we kind of went asleep on one play and they're a good enough side, a well-coached side, and they made us pay. So they've got an away goal. So that helps them a little bit in the chess match. But we're not going to be afraid to go back to Red Bull Arena and try and win. All right. Did you guys see the uh, the Sounders put out? Um, they they did some artwork. Maybe you showed me this, Roberto. I guess somebody showed it to me. Uh, previewing the next game. <laughs> and what 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 exactly was it, Roberto? You're going to be able to retell it better. But it used Red Bull Arena instead of Yankee Stadium. In the yeah. ad, right? Uh, yeah, they, they did, but it wasn't. Was it kind of a I don't want to say mocking. It was a but uh, they had some fun with it. Let's say right. uh, the way they put it. But look, we we all know that New York City, when it comes to this stuff, uh, they're nomads. So um, you know, it is what it is. And the fact is that even with all the things that they have against them, they are champions at MLS. So good for the team. Take that. Uh, you know, use that as a chip on your shoulder that you always have something that's against you that other teams don't have, and you're able to get through that. I right. just say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. Play I me think... wherever you play me. I'm going to win anyway. And that's yep. the attitude that they're going to have. By they now, don't care it... that they're playing at, at Red Bull Arena. And by Some now, Red... it's, just, it, it's almost, uh, well, supporters are going to disagree with me. You know, many will, but. You know, you've got to accept things until it can be rectified. Right. Um, it's your team, man. It's your team. And it's the your club. Problem there, it's the your club. problem there, Glenn, is that there, there's a certain, there's a certain um, base, there's a certain number of fans that believe that the team isn't doing as much as they should to be able to get a stadium. And that's just wrong because we know the facts and we know that that's not true. We know the facts that how hard it is to get real estate to be able to build in a city and not only just get the real estate. It's not just like, OK, I'm going to go find 15 acres of land and buy it and I can build a stadium there. It's not the way it works. There are community boards. There are politicians. And uh, once you become friendly with some politicians, then the other politicians immediately go against it because that's what they want to do. And so it, it's this whole web of just 
horrible stuff that happens in New York politics and real estate that make it anything but easy to be able to find a place to build a stadium. All right. The Yankees took 10 years to build it right next door to where they had a bloody stadium. City Field is in the middle of freaking nowhere. Nowhere. And it took them 10 years to be able to buy to be able to build City Field next to Shea Stadium. All right. The Jets weren't able to build a stadium on the west side. All right. They had to go out to New Jersey and join in with the Giants when that was really the last thing that they wanted to do. But they had no choice. And so no, you know, for people to be Jets... able to punish New York City FC for not yeah. having a stadium no, you've said or to well. punish MLS for not having a stadium ready, it's just crazy because it's not easy. And there's nobody. I mean, and I'm not just like reciting the company line. Trust me, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that no, guy. No, let me just get the right? Jet. I think the Jets example is the most vivid. Because like you said, I, I remember all that. You probably remember it better. It's, you know, right in your yeah. backyard. But uh, I'm a huge Jet fan, and I just remember following it closely. And they, of course, they didn't want to come and play in a stadium called Giant Stadium. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> so they they wanted to get out. They were already doing that. And yeah. they, they were tenant there, <clears throat> just like New York City's a tenant at Yankee Stadium. Now they're co-owners, which is different. But they're still playing out in Jersey. It says New York. It says New York everywhere. But you know, it's twenty minutes from my house. But I'm where is it? On that side. That's the Jersey side over there, by the way. And as a reminder, that's the Yankee Stadium side that way, and that way is the Red Bull Arena MetLife Stadium side. It is midweek, and I know now. I know sometimes. So we've got this. Uh, now we're going to go one way to the other. Before it was, if the game kicked off at seven, couldn't get there because of work. Well, the game doesn't kick off till nine oh six, all right. So or nine oh eight. I'm not sure what the kid. We got to we got to find that out, Roberto. But anyway, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just helps us back time our pregame show. You know, these are these are the things. We these are important things. But so the the work issue shouldn't be it unless it's the issue of I get back home too late and then I've got to get up early for work, which I understand. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not insensitive to all these things, but I will say it again, especially now since the end of the workday for many will, you know, shouldn't be impacted. Come early, go to the Ironbound, find a good Portuguese restaurant. Roberto's going to recommend two right now, right when I'm done with this. One, one, one. All right, just one. (laughs) And, And then park your car in that lot and then walk across the bridge and you don't have to worry about the parking and the difficulty getting out, which is what everybody complains about, it's an easy exit. You just walk back across the bridge. It's like a 15 to 20-minute walk. Beautiful exercise, right? If you didn't get your exercise in that day, walking uh, is good for you. It's, you know, doctors will tell you, you know, when you go grocery shopping, park at the other end of the lot so you get a nice walk-in when you go to get your groceries, you know? So, uh, and so you get a good meal. You have a nice glass of wine. You go in. You watch City win 2-0. And advance to the uh, CCL finals, which and, you know, every anybody that comes over and helps out, it's going to be a bonus for the players. And that's uh, and, and, that's and awesome. there is another reason there is. An, uh, I believe it's a cultural reason um, okay. we here in MLS. We are not that we didn't we, we haven't buy both so far the the, the CONCACAF Champions League thing. I mean, if this were were South America, 
or Europe, for instance. But I think that, that the comparison with South, with South America is more relatable. Uh, if a big team as New York City is in, in, in MLS, like Boca or River or Sao Paulo or Corinthians, would have been they would play the would have been playing the 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 semifinal of the Copa Libertadores. The stadium will be packed no matter what if it's mm-hmm. Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, whatever. Uh, Midnight, so, two uh, in the morning. What yeah, does it matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. there. Um, they um, somehow Concacaf and, and MLS still needs to work on that. Mm, right. Concacaf is well, not the big difference. Yeah, go ahead, Roberto. I was just going to say the big difference is that, you know, New York City has hardcore supporters, right? But those teams have 100 times more hardcore supporters. Of course. And so, um, you know, that's what New York City's got to build. And that that this is part of the challenge. And it's not only New York City. It's pretty much every team in this league where they've got to get more hardcore supporters where – you know, a sellout is a given every single game and that there are 20,000 people who are dying to get into the stadium every single game. That's what they've got to build out to, not just, well, if I build a 22,000-seat stadium, I hope I can fill it. No. What you're trying to do is get as many people as possible, and that's where you got to build out. And they've got enough casual supporters. They don't have enough hardcore supporters that will just give, you know, their... Well, I was going to say something that's probably inappropriate, but some body part to be able to be at that stadium no matter what. And they just need more of those. So, uh, they, and that's got to that's got to build. Hey, uh, that's got to build. But, but Ariel and, and Roberto, I, John Rojas met uh, when we did the MLS Cup final in Portland. He met a family that drove to the game. There's passionate supporters in this club. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, a family yeah. that drove to Portland for the game. Yeah, yeah. And that's and yeah. Maybe they couldn't afford to fly. I, you know, I, I don't know the particulars why they would do that. I'm sure that was a contributing factor. If it's four or five, you know, they couldn't all fly. So they'd just hop in a car and, you know, just drive straight out, For celebrate, and drive back. I mean, my goodness. But that's what? that's what you're talking about. The Comunicación supporters, the husband and wife that I met in the hotel in East Hartford the morning after the game that drove 12 hours after an overnight shift. They both worked at the hospital. Right. And this is their chance to see them. I, I understand. But they drove 12 hours from Michigan to East Hartford to see the game, got up the next morning. And they did spend the night. They got up the next morning. They were heading out like at 8 a.m. to get back home. Any right. one of those supporters who had to pay over $100 a ticket to get into the stadium because that's what they were being charged. Hmm. I mean, th- that's not small money for a lot of the people that are there. Okay, I mean, for the people that I saw, that, that, that that's a work day, and if not more, yeah, yeah. And for them to say, "Hey, this is what I'm going to spend because I don't get a chance to come see my team all that often," but it's my team, and if it was, you know, no matter what, I was going to be in that stadium. And so, New York City has to build out that fan base, and they've got to get that. And you can have twenty-two thousand people at the stadium or thirty thousand, but what you need is to build out much, much bigger than that. So you create an atmosphere where you still have X amount of people that are dying to get into the building no matter what. And so that, that's where all these teams have to go. You know, not just, well, I, I have 22,000 seats. Let me sell 22,000 seats and I'll be happy. Do what Portland does. Have a waiting list, you know, among others. What I'm trying to say is that these chances, like 
play in the semifinal of the CONCACAF Champions League, they never they, they, they don't come back. If you miss this Sam, you never know how you when are you, are you going to be able to see a semifinal of CONCACAF Champions League again, maybe in six six years, seven you can't years, assume, right? maybe, you can never maybe next assume. year. We we never yeah. know, but it's very hard to get there. So it's a good chance. People should go okay. no matter what. I agree. So he, he, now that John, now that John Rojas isn't here to yell at me about using other ex examples, um, I might chime in. Let's see what you got. You, you, you might chime in. <laughs> Dan Marino of the Miami Dolphins made the Super Bowl in his second year. Lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Anybody who saw him knew he was an extraordinary, out of this world talent. There's nobody who saw him that day or saw that game that day who thought that he wasn't going to be back in the Super Bowl multiple times attempting to win Super Bowls and maybe winning a few. He never got back. He was there year two. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame, all-world quarterback. He never got back to the Super Bowl. We don't know if New York City is ever going to be back in a championship game or in a, or in a semifinal with a, with a chance to go to a championship game to win a tournament that no MLS team has ever won. Don't miss this chance to go and watch this game. Don't miss a chance to go and support your team. And maybe you can help them get over the top. You know, this is the second semifinal for Seattle. And I thought, uh, Roberto, I, I can't wait for your comment on this. And I, I know you, you pretty much monitor Mexican media and how they treat uh, MLS and, and American soccer in general. Well, the, at, at the postgame presser, one of the reporters told Schmetzer, one of the, it was a Latin reporter in Spanish, and then it got translated, that uh, the Mexican media is picking Seattle to win MLS Cup. Here's Schmetzer. But that is interesting now that the Mexican press is saying that we are now the favorites. And it's a good question. Es un buen pregunta. Porque... What I told them in the locker room was, we are not finished yet. It's not over against New York City FC. And I don't care what the Mexican press says. We're not going to be the favorites. We have to still earn every opportunity we have to even get to a final. And then Pumas and Cruz Azul are good teams. And we don't know who will play home first or away first. That's still in jeopardy. And then we can talk about, you know, the next phase. But right now we are focused on one more game against New York City FC. And that's uh, Wednesday at Red Bull Arena. What do you think, Roberto? He's 100% right. He's 100% right. He can't look ahead. No, I don't I mean, mean that. Mexican... Forget that. Of course, that's what every coach says, and I'm sure he means it. I'm talking about Mexi I'm talking about the Mexican media picking an MLS side to win it. That to forget all the other stuff. Oh, that. Uh, well, have, uh, you have you seen this? Have you seen this on uh, social media? They, they, they do this all the time, and then when Mexico, they do this all the time to try to get out ahead of a story and say, "See, look what I said," but they don't really believe it. There's no. There's no. I don't think there's a member of the Mexican media that cover, I'll, I'll say this, okay, that really pays attention to MLS, okay? Yeah, yeah. The ones that pay attention to MLS will probably have a decent grasp of how good the league is, 
how good New York, te- you know, the MLS teams are compared to the Mexican teams. The ones that never look at MLS and just hear some of the chatter and then chime in, which is quite a few, they have no clue what MLS is like or if they're going to win. But they're trying. Some of them are trying to get ahead of it. So when it happens, they say, "See, we told you," and then they can go and crucify Mexican soccer because they these guys live on crucifying somebody. They've got to find somebody to crucify. Okay, be pissed at. Be I told you so at. You know, fire that guy at those type of things. They live on the controversy of fighting. And they are playing the game of what if, because Mm -hmm. Seattle Sanders has got a lot of players that could have gone to Mexico or could have joined Mexican clubs like Lodeiro. For instance, Lodeiro was mentioned like four years in a row joining Cruz Azul, for instance. He never went he was he's safe and sound in in seattle and i'm sure that the, the, the lodero story will come up this week if if, if seattle passes and uh cruz azul or pumas are playing uh are facing them in the final they will bring that that story again and the ruidias story i, I i'm tired of reading, reading that Diaz would never make it again in, 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 in Liga MX. And I'm sure he would tear it up. But who knows? We'll see. <laughs> he could start for the Peruvian national team, but not good enough for Mexico. Love this. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right. So that's uh, Wednesday, uh, CCL semifinal second leg, New York City, obviously with a, a lot of work to do. They really need a clean sheet and two goals. I mean, that's 2 nil is the result. I mean, to ask all of a sudden for three one or four one or you know well that however it gets added up it is a simple formula but with this away goal sometimes uh, if, if Seattle scores twice I guess that's uh, kiss it goodbye five you you have five. Four, five right then you need five. yeah so um, look however it plays out let it play out let it be an exciting game hopefully for New York City fans uh, the team can come back and. And win and try to win uh, this really important trophy. Can you imagine not only being the first team in MLS and winning this, but being the first team and well, the Galaxy never got a chance to play. So the the first team ever to go play in a World Club Championship for uh, for MLS, you know, to represent the United States and Canada. I mean, that's that's a big deal. It that's really a big, is, a big it deal. is a big deal. And the players need to you know, take that uh, approach that the Ariel was describing where, you know, you can't, you can't ever assume that you're going to get back to this moment again. So, you know, everything has to happen. And then, you know, there's an MLS game following it. Uh, and it's a home game at city field on Sunday against uh, real salt Lake uh, who are off to a good start. And I, I found this a uh, tweet uh, kind of fun. Trey Fitzgerald, who uh, is the uh, communications guy uh, yeah. for RSL. Uh, he, he put this out. Read this. It's it's just okay. from a it's just from someone who had never been to a game before, and not a huge sports person. <laughs> Went to the RSL game last weekend, and the energy is so amazing and intense. So this is this is the kind of thing I, I think, especially in America, where if we could get people to just come out, and that's why the atmosphere is so important. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, if somebody comes to a game, and soccer atmosphere is different. I've had people tell me that are not sought, you know, their baseball or American football and, and get them to a game somehow. And they said, I can't believe people just like chant the whole game. I say, yeah, it's not baseball, man. It's not <laughs> baseball, you know? And uh, 
So third rail and Los Templados set these uh, games, and they'll need to supply it uh, tomorrow. And uh, Juan Carlos uh, has chimed in, as you see. Uh, you know, any question or comment, and uh, Juan Carlos always keeps it clean. And, uh, yeah, good fight, one-time opportunity, and hopefully I get my credentials approved. Well, well Juan, if uh, if anybody in the on the communication staff of New York City is, is watching, um, and uh, I, what I will assure you is that I know how – hard you work uh in, in following the club so uh, i'm sure roberto i saw him uh nodding yeah. his head so we'll, we'll put in the good yeah. word for you and, and try to make sure this happens one absolutely although remember that it's not new york city that controls this that's true Cap, it, does. It, it is cocky so, Cap. that's uh, right it, it's that's, yeah that's it's important to know it's a yes. calf approval not a new we've york, met them very, very nice people yeah, well, yeah, they're very nice people. Yeah, yeah, they are. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not being facetious. They really are. We just yep. probably met them more than we needed to. Yeah, well, we're in carrying, Guatemala. We're carrying we got to the know games. up close and personal. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, they weren't wrong. I mean, they, they were right. <laughs> was... uh, we got a good meal in Guatemala City. That lunch we did. was superb, and the game <laughs> was scary. And the three of us got to call together, and what the heck? It was fun. Hey, uh, at the end New of the York... day, it turned out to be fun. It was fun. Uh, New York City FC two. Uh, now they've played three matches. I, I think the the thing to note, and of course, this has to do with depth and this travel, and and uh, but uh, there were no first team New York City first team players, senior team players, in either of the last two matches. Remember, Luis Barraza started and played the full first match. Guys like. Chris Gloucester, Vuklatinovich. I'm going to leave somebody Hack. out. Justin Hack, and there's one more. Uh, come up with it before the end of the show, Roberto or Ariel. But anyway, so but because of the travel, the depth that the they they haven't uh, been made available to the two team, uh, and and Barraza had a health and safety protocol issue as well. So they continue to play, and um, I'm looking forward to getting out to St. John's my first match very soon world cup tv schedule came out i think this is uh this is kind of fun to diagnose but the best the, the best thing to come out of it when we saw that england and and the u.s are going to play the day after thanksgiving and there's no american football games being played that day college right uh so there's um there's pro football on the day after thanksgiving again college there's no co there's college but no pro. There's college what? football, no pro football. Pro okay. football has three games on Thursday. Yeah. Well, thank you for completing your sentence. Anyway, so they won't have the same sort of um, competition, let's say. No. But that should and be that should be one of the bigger audiences ever, don't you think? Black Friday, baby. U.S. England. Black That's Friday. Right. What time of day though? People have to go out shopping. It's going to be like at a decent time. It's all three all three U.S. games are at decent times. But, and uh, not Paul, like crazy, but like Paul not Ken like two in the morning. No, but Paul Kennedy put something up uh, from Soccer America. So it's it's Fox Sports versus FS1, like the network, the Big Fox and FS1. So 35 games out of the 64 are going to be on on the Big Fox. But he was just showing how, you know, if uh, the bad of it is uh, the U.S. men might end up being on uh, FS1 instead of um, – the big fox which you know that impacts some viewership because not everybody has oh, cable and fs1 you know so absolutely or the app or can pay for all that stuff so um, but it's also about lead-in programming things like that so 
if it's coming off like a big college football game, it gives you a huge lead-in audience that might be checking out a game for the first time and sticking around. Although <coughs> I would think that the U.S. England audience will be bigger than whatever college football audience they get before. Because that, that is a huge draw. Always is a huge draw. Yeah. World Cup always draws very, very well in, in TV. In the U.S. English, obviously Spanish. As we say, ni se diga. John Mulder from The Athletic. Uh, I didn't get to read the piece because I just saw it before we uh, came on the air here. But uh, Man City, uh, Liverpool, the 2-2 draw, the game that lived up to its billing. I didn't watch it till later. I didn't see it live. But, man, it, it was fantastic. Even knowing the score, it was fine. But Pep Guardiola said afterward, quote, I try to imitate the best teams. I learn. Because part of this article by John is talking about how much more direct Manchester City played, Liverpool with a high line, and uh, but also Liverpool trying to strike you know early and often like that. That's part of their repertoire. So it's interesting that Pep, uh, you know, those two guys certainly respect each other, but uh, they, they like each other a lot. As a matter of fact, they, I mean, the warm embrace before the game, after the game, and then they were both interviewed by uh, by the. Uh, I was going to say NBC desk, but uh, anyway, the U USA desk. And uh, they both had a warm embrace before Pep came running over. Uh, you know, and the first thing Pep said when he came over was like, congratulations to the U.S. for making the World Cup. First thing he said. <laughs> and then he talked about, you know, how he wanted to play and, you know, how he has to change things up because of Liverpool and all that. And Klopp was very forthcoming about the way he's got to play because of Man City. These guys genuinely admire, admire each other and admire each other's teams and respect each other's teams. And boy, was it just fun to watch. It's just really, really fun to watch. It was interesting, though, that they don't they've they never have socialized. I read that, you know, they're, they're respectful. They, you know, they, maybe they talk football, you know, at the, at the different games and things, but they, they've never really uh, hung out outside of the, the field, which I thought was interesting. I mean, you think somewhere along the line, they at an awards dinner or something, they'd sit there and talk some footy, move the salt and pepper shakers around, but you never know. That's you never know. Or useful. talk about some wine because we know that Pep likes <laughs> his wine. That's pretty <laughs> usually in, in Europe. I, uh, from, from what I know, the, 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 the annual meeting of coaches in, in Spain, they just stay there for 20 minutes and they leave. They don't want to be with other guys. They don't want to All be right. with them. I know. I know. Well, it's uh, uh, it was very cool and a lot of good games, but that's the only one we're uh, going to be able to get to outside of the, uh, the New York City stuff. MLS, uh, Leonardo Campana was the MLS player of the week. Who? Inter Miami's best striker. That's who. That's uh, <laughs> well. That that's that is for sure. Who who uh, who can doubt? That's not even close. <laughs> Gonzalo yeah, Iguain. Roberto, you said you saw a picture of him with a dirty look after Campana scored his first goal. Can you confirm that? It was on TV. It was oh, all right. Didn't <laughs> celebrate it. He was just like staring ahead. Didn't celebrate it. Nothing. Oh, Very wow. surprising. Was, I would want, awful, yeah. I would want somebody celebrating a goal but by my team, when, especially you know, when my team isn't very good. What Ariel? He, he's a very difficult guy. I mean, nothing against him, but he's he's had this kind of issues everywhere he's been. 
River, Real Madrid, Juventus. I mean, he, he's a tough guy. And that's what it is. Well, Inter Miami. Argentina. He's been he's been he has he has had problems with yeah. with, with yeah. the Simmons in Argentina as well. So I think they liked him in Napoli, it's but maybe normal. Not. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Inter Miami, they beat New England. New England, oh my god. Well, we, there's more to talk about, but we have no more time. Um so we've got this broadcast. I do want to uh, say a quick uh, give a quick promo. For anybody that has SiriusXM on my FC show this week, I've got Tony Strudwick. Now, if you don't know who he is, he is the uh, head of performance for Arsenal Football Club. He was the head of performance and a first-team assistant to Sir Alex Ferguson from 2007 to 13. Oh. arguably the best stretch for Manchester United in, in the history of the club with, with four uh, championships. But he's also the Wales assistant coach, which is interesting because – so he's got – you know, U.S. and England for sure, but Wales is playing the winner of Scotland, Ukraine in, in, in the play-in. So uh, we were talking about that. I interviewed him today. It'll be on Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, so a lot of good stuff. And, oh, you know, I'm here's a good one, Roberto. I'm talking to the keeper coach for Cincinnati and the keeper coach for the Philly Union at the same time. They're both friends, Paul Rogers at Cincy, Phil Wedden, who works with Andre Blake at the uh, philadelphia and awesome. uh, so they're going to come on together we're recording that tomorrow so if i i'll probably start putting clips out but uh i love talking to the coaches players too but but players you know they're like uh some guys are a fraternity and you know it's all positive in love it's very different it's not positive from what i'm used we go at it what i'm used to you guys we you go guys at got it. each other's back you guys always have each other's back i don't know about that Oh, my God. In the U.S., it happens all the time. You guys have each other's backs as opposed to me watching soccer in Mexico and everybody's got each other's backs measured with a nice target on it because they want their job if they're on TV. It's such a we, different thing. No, we understand how the profession works and how uh, difficult a job it is. And, you know, it's one head coach and 26 prima donnas. And, you know, no, that's but, but, but we, just a... <laughs> Every time that you've watched, so like if you, if you watch, no matter what the sport, if it's it's baseball or it's football or NBA or hockey or soccer or whatever, and when you have guys who are pundits on TV, right, who are ex coaches, they'll never throw another coach under the bus. They'll just never do that. They might. They, it's very hard for them to even criticize strategy of no, another that's, coach. No, that's that's not it, true. It really, it really, no, really is no, hard. That's not true. Okay, fine. Go, 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 go find me clips and show me Lee where Dixon. that happened. Well, Lee Dixon's huh? not a coach. He was a player. All right, I'm trying to Thank think you. of the coaches. Huh? Thank you. Uh, continue to, to proving me right. So anyway, but well, me. when it comes to the other side of the border, it's the other way around. Right. It's a bizarre world. All right. Well, I took my Not daughter to the Mexico, airport at two in the morning. I'm exhausted. What, Ariel? I'm sorry. No, that that happens not only in Mexico. It ha it's pretty pretty normal in, in Latin America and South America, Spain. Pretty interesting then. Spain as well, pretty much. That yeah. that that is that is uh, well, the cultural differences globally are what's really cool about traveling, and we've been doing a lot of that lately. And it's uh, hey. It's, yeah, you're running into my other show, so you got to go. What show? We got to go. Everybody go what and show? watch on especial. Well, I'm telling you, on especialistas del deporte de frontera frontera with myself and Veronica Rodriguez. It's on now. 
All right. If you provide translation, I'll tune in. Uh, otherwise, Especialistas DD is the name of the website or the account on Facebook and on Twitter. Go there. It's called the show's called De Frontera a Frontera. I'm on it now. It's on a different language or in a different language. But we talk about CONCACAF, Mexico, and uh, the U.S. That's excellent. All right. Well, we'll both be on the air, Spanish and English, NYCFC Network, Wednesday, 8.45 p.m. Eastern for our pregame. We think 9.08 p.m. for kickoff. And a uh, big one for the club and a big one for us. Boys, thanks for uh, hanging and uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Ariel Hudas. Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Good night, everybody. Adios. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.